Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we are back on the show today. It's 2021, and we are going through the state of theology. You can find this survey from Ligonier Ministries at thestateoftheology.com, and they do have a helpful feature. Uh, you can actually take the survey yourself, uh, find out you know where you align up in terms of the historic faith, and you can also create a group survey for your church or family. Uh, pretty cool stuff. We are going to ask a question that's not. I'm, we're going to do to Ligonier what you always do to me. We're going to ask. They're going to ask He's a question <laughs> in a derogatory yes. way to me. Yes, that's if right. If you missed that, yeah, I ask a question, and then Russ says, "Well, the better question to ask would be this." <laughs> And it's hard for me to argue with that because when I hear your question, I realize, yeah, that was a better question. (laughs) But we're going to ask another question. So one of the questions we looked at uh, either yesterday or a couple days ago was, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contain helpful accounts of ancient myths but is not literally true. We want to seize on that phrase, literally true. And Mm -hmm. I'll ask the question like this, and if you want to correct me, you're more than welcome. Mm -hmm. Do we interpret the Bible literally? Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that question had, had actually a couple of words that probably we, we should address. The, the statement was that the Bible contains ancient myths and should not be taken literally. The term myth is not a helpful word to use in relation to the Bible, uh, because for the, average, for the average person, myth means a story that isn't true, uh, but maybe has some kind of ap- life application, even though it isn't true. And the Bible is true uh, from start to finish. But that doesn't mean that every part of the Bible is taken literally. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible is taken literally where it intends to be taken literally and not where it doesn't intend to be taken literally. And what I mean by this is that the Bible contains a number of different kinds of literature. Mm-hmm. It has poetry. It has history. It has biography in the Gospels, uh, and also in the Old Testament. It has apocalyptic uh, literature with really wild images, and the book of Revelation, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Daniel. There's parables. Um, there's parables, yes. And just let me, let me give you an obvious when I say that the Bible is to be uh, taken as 100% true, but not 100% literal. L- let's take the parables of Jesus. When Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell among thieves, okay? And uh, you may recognize that that's the start of the parable of the Good Samaritan. At that moment, when Jesus said, okay, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves, at that moment, you don't want to interrupt him and raise your hand and say, Jesus, what was his name? Yeah. Or where are those thieves so we can bring them to justice? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Jesus is telling a story, and that's obvious. 
now there are there are other places in the Bible where it's not as clear and, and perhaps as, as obvious as that. But that's what I'm getting at. Uh, t- take the Bible, or or in the, some of the images in the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms are, are poetry. That's another kind of literature. So it's 2021. I know that the book on top of everybody's reading list this year will be the Book of Revelation. What about the Book of Revelation? How are we supposed to understand the Book of Revelation? Literally, it's a it's a picture book. Yeah. How yes. do you know that? Are you just making that up? Well, the opening part of the book. John says, I saw this as a, as a vision, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the thing that must soon take place. He's just showing truths, and there are things in there that you look at and you say, well, we're going to read this with the imagery that is intended. I hope we don't believe that someday that when we get to heaven that Jesus Christ is walking around with a sword out of his mouth. Well, that that would be odd. And you're, you're referencing the first chapter where John gives a description right. of what Jesus looks like. And that's um, not the only part of the imagery. I mean, he has like brass parts of his body and face shining like the sun. And and, and so what, what we're doing is there's truths that are being communicated through imagery. And so... The sword is, in the rest of the Bible, God's word. Um, And so what you have is that the king rules according to his word. And that word is a powerful word. Um, It's it's as a sword, which the book of Hebrews would also say. And so it's just, when we say about reading the Bible literally, really what you should be saying is we read it like we read any other piece of literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all we're saying when we say that we 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 believe in a literal interpretation of the of the scriptures. What we're saying is we believe that the Bible should be read like any other literary work. Mm-hmm. Nouns are nouns, verbs are verbs, stories are stories, imagery is imagery, poetry is poetry. poetry. I mean, we don't change the rules yeah. when we get to the Bible. Yeah, right. And some people get all uptight and be like, "Hey." To read it literally means that everything has to be taken in a literal a wooden, sense. A wooden, literal sense. Yes. And we know that that's not the intention. I mean, our own language is filled with things that it's about imagery. Yep. I mean, we talk about the sun rising. Well, the sun never rises. Okay? You're the earth a, moves. You're a liberal. <laughs> and so... We use that type of language all the time. We describe things in ways that are not literally true, but we—it still doesn't hinder our ability to use language in that way. And we don't in conversation. And we don't have to. Okay, so there's not like this super uh, secret Gnostic decodering when it comes to the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible tells us when it's changing genres. Well, absolutely, and perhaps we should clarify that a lot of this issue surrounding. Uh, literalism and the Bible um, goes back to theological liberalism in the late 19th and in the early 20th century, and it's and it's still around today. Um, where uh, theological liberalism was very skeptical of the supernatural, right, and uh, believed that uh, supernatural things just don't happen. Let's let's take the virgin birth. Uh, theological liberalism would say, well, Mary wasn't literally a virgin 
And Jesus, you know, his birth was not literally the result of virgin birth. But it's a story that was told to say that his birth was very special and that, and it's symbolic. Well, no. Uh, Matthew and Luke and uh, the Old Testament prophets uh, treat this as an event. I take it as an event. It's a place where the Bible intends to be taken quite literally. and As a historical fact. And that's very obvious. As yep. It's a historical fact. It gives you dates and times and peoples, and, and yes. you can verify all of those things in other parts of history. Yes. And, you know, we could go into any other, the event of the, of the, the Hebrew people when, they're, when God leads them out of Egypt and the waters of the Red Sea part. Yep. The Old Testament is very obviously treating that as a historical event. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a supernatural event. It's not the kind of thing you see every day to have water, to waters part. But if you say, well, that obviously is, you know, the theological liberalism would say that, well, that's obviously a, a story told to talk about how God led them out and and protected them, but it's not to be taken literally. Yeah, same thing can be said about the resurrection. Like liberal, liberals would say, well, that's just symbolic of becoming a new man. You and, know, and that and that Jesus lived on in their hearts. Right, right, exactly. So we understand. Like, if you're suspicious about our our conversation today, thinking, man, if you if you guys don't interpret the Bible all the same, then then you guys are liberals. No, what we're saying is that when the Bible, whenever the Bible is interpreted in a way that it's not meant to be interpreted, that is that violates the scripture itself. Yes. So whether you're a li- right. whether you're a liberal and you're over spiritualizing everything, or you're fundamentalist and you're over uh, literalizing everything, you're making an error on either side. Let Let me illustrate this. So we know without any shadow of the doubt that God is a spirit and has no body. Yeah. That's the clear, direct teaching of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So when we get to Revelation chapter 4, and it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne goes on. Chapter 5, Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back. But the interesting thing is, later on in chapter 5, Jesus comes to the one seated on the throne. So in other words, the person on the throne couldn't be the the God-man, Jesus Christ. It can't be because the God-man comes to the one that's seated on the throne. Well, who is the one seated on the throne? It's the very one that the book of Daniel would say is the Ancient of Days. And despite modern songs that make the Ancient of Days Jesus Christ, the Ancient of Days is God the Father. Uh Uh-huh. And God the Father is the one that we are told in Revelation 4 and 5 is seated on the throne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that John saw him. Yes. But that's got to be imagery, or otherwise the Bible is untrue. Yeah. Right. And so I don't like the option of saying the Bible is untrue. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then I have to say, oh, it's creating the imagery of the throne room. Yeah. Yes. 
well, this, and of this, the reign of God the Father. Yes. The, the sixth chapter of Isaiah does exactly the same thing. Yep. In, the, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high, yep. seated upon a throne, and the, the cherubim around him. And, and it's a vision. It's, yep. it's, not, it's not saying that somewhere off in heaven there's a yep. throne room yep. with, with where, where God lives. Yep. No, and the, no. sa- the same thing happens in the book of Ezekiel, where the book opens with like these turning wheels, and and all these uh, imagery of these beasts with all these eyes and these different faces, yes. I actually. So someone might think, well, that makes the Bible understanding the Bible so difficult. I actually think that makes understanding the Bible so much easier. Mm-hmm. If I understand that when I open up a book like Revelation or Ezekiel, and it's a apocalyptic literature, then I'm going to be saying, okay, so what is this pointing to? Are there are there places in Scripture where this imagery is used in other places that? that points to something else. And man, that makes the book of, like the book of Revelation way easier to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and just, it doesn't make you um, theologically suspect. It, it makes you one that truly does hold the scriptures in high regard and says, I want to know this book, how it was intended to be known. Yeah. I don't want to underread it. I don't want to overread it. Yeah. And there's a whole study called hermeneutics, which gives us principles of interpretation that we use those rules to try to help us be better students of God's Word. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been the Gospel for Life. We hope that you'll continue to tune in. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, just hit subscribe in your podcast app. Just look for The Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 